And her response to me was, um, oh, well, that's where you go if you want to do things that you don't want your parents to know about. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesomeings Podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Osmings Podcast. We have another one of our co-working members, Rebecca, with Community Inspired Solutions, and we're we are pumped to hear her story, hear about the work she's doing within the city of Lexington, and I'm with my compadre. I was gonna, <laughs> I can't say that. Anyways, with Liz, we're, yeah, we're joking per usual. And uh, Liz, say, say hello. <laughs> uh, there's, I'm Liz Brown Evans from our Venture Labs team. There's zero reason for me to be here today other than the fact that I wanted to talk to Rebecca and hear a little bit of her story. Um, so I've convinced Garrett to let me start interviewing some of our co-working guests with him. And so that's what we're going to do. So Rebecca is, um, as Garrett mentioned, one of our co-working members, uh, actually private office members here at Awesome Inc. And I think one of the things I love about you is you kind of fall outside um, what people perceive as the norm of who we have here, which is like only tech startups. But we have a lot of different companies here and organizations here like you guys. So Rebecca, we would love to hear a little bit about yourself, your background and and uh, CIS. I, I'm going to call that CSI at some point on accident, but we'll roll with it. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody does it. Um, I'm Rebecca Webb. I am co-founder and executive director for Community Inspired Solutions, CIS for short. Um, been doing this about six years now. We got started in 2014 um, after a rash of violence, youth-involved violence here in town. And a group of concerned citizens got together and started having some conversations about what can we do to make a difference. Mm. And the decision was if we can offer programming, a safe space for kids, some educational assistance, um, we can make a difference in kids' lives. We can show them that they don't have to resort to the streets. They don't have to become involved in violence. Mm. And we can make a difference and we can change our community. But it'll take a lot of work. Uh, my background is I'm a retired nurse. I um, worked at the VA for 28 and a half years. Oh, wow. Retired, went home, sat down for a year and got bored. And then you got busy. Then 2014 <laughs> happened. And here mm. I am. It's where I've been and what I've done ever since. Yeah. That's incredible. And I think a really important message right now, too, especially in, in light of recent events in our country. So I would love to hear, well, start with this. What what does CIS do for kids? Like, what's the base level programming that you guys offer? Our two main programs that we offer are um, our summer camp, which is a four-week summer camp. We do usually late June, early July. We have it in local parks. We spend two weeks in one park, and then we pack up and we move to another area um, and spend two weeks in that park. We offer the kids a safe place to hang out and, hmm. and play and be with their friends. Um, we offer workshops on bullying, um, self-esteem, self-motivation, 
just a variety of topics. Um, and then, of course, we're in the park, so we have a lot of recreational activities associated with it, too. We provide them with breakfast, lunch, and a snack. We run from 8 in the morning until 5 in the evening Gosh. for those four weeks. To be clear, this is after your 28-year-long career. You're yes. running around with a bunch of kids. I think that's incredible. Yes. They keep me going. Uh, a lot of days I can be at home doing nothing. And that's exactly what I do is absolutely nothing. Hmm. But if it's a day that I know I'm going to be with the kids or I've got something going on, it it's a completely different attitude. I may go to bed at night thinking, oh, I don't want to get up in the morning. But come the next morning, I'm up, I'm, you know, bright and early, ready to go. But, but they keep me going. That's awesome. Um, one, of, one of my favorite things to hear that it's, you can say this saying like, they keep me young, but it's not necessarily from an age perspective, it's your spirit. When you're, whenever yes. you're in a space, you're always walking around smiling. That's yes. one of my favorite things about having you here. Yes. It's become second nature, I guess, almost now. Um, and the other program, main program we have is our Boys and Girls Club. Hmm. And we do that. Usually we start in September and go through May and we meet once a week on Tuesday evenings and we provide some of the same type services. We help kids with homework. We do tutoring. We do mentoring. We bring in guest speakers. We have different activities. Um, we partner with a host of other organizations and the University of Kentucky, Kentucky State University, hmm. and bring in different classes. We have a um, partnership with Parks and Recreation where they bring in their mobile computer lab and they teach the kids some basic of computer coding. Uh, Kentucky State University, we have a young lady that's been with us for about two, three years now, and she comes and she does... Uh, healthy nutrition and cooking class with the kids. That's awesome. Um, one of the other spinoffs from that has been our photography club. We In 2019, we did a six-week photography program where we had nine kids that participated that learned the basics of digital photography. Um, that summer, well, that spring, we took them on a a cultural education trip to South Carolinas. We took the cameras with us and we let the kids have the cameras and we turned them loose. We ended up with some amazing pictures. Let's just say 2020 aside, how many kids do you guys usually have in your program? Our after school program, our Boys and Girls Club, we usually have between 25 and 30 kids um, awesome. each week. And our summer camp, we can average anywhere to 50 to 60 kids a day. One of my favorite things that you have talked to us about before is this sort of like all hands on deck community affair that it is. Talk to us about like the people that work and volunteer slash friends and family, it sounds like. Yeah, I tell my family all the time it's a family business <laughs> that we just don't make any money and we don't get paid. But uh, I love that. I have family members. My daughter, works with me. Uh, she does a lot of with the summer camp and then with the after school program. She's there a lot. She's works. Everybody except me has full time jobs pretty much. Uh, but when we have camp or Boys and Girls Club going on, they're there. Uh, my daughter, like I said, works with me. 
I have some nieces who come volunteer at summer camp uh, just to be an extra set of eyes for us with the kids there. Um, one young lady comes and she does all our meal prep and our cooking for us so that we do our, you know, when we do our breakfast and our lunches. Um, we work with uh, Zeta Phi Beta. They came on board and they volunteer with us and they help out when they can during the summer and then during the school year. Um, they work with us doing mentoring and tutoring. Uh, one of our volunteers, Martha Crumby, who's a Zeta, is a retired educator herself. So she actually does some academic assessments for us mm. so that we can see exactly where the kid is and what work they need. Mm. Um, we have uh, Father Norman Fisher from St. Peter Claver. And St. Father Norman's been with us since day one. Um, he involves his parishioners. So we have a lot of times uh, the... Knights of St. Peter Claver or the uh, widow's group at St. Peter Claver or some of the other women's groups will come in and volunteer to do meals for us or do other things if we need it. Um, we partner with uh, the Hinkle Foundation. Um, There's a far family of Mark Hinkle and they do bicycles every year. So we have kids that receive bicycles when we do our Christmas uh, event, and they donate toys and other parishioners from St. Peter Claver uh, donate toys or gift cards or whatever that we're able to give away to kids in the community that are in need or families that are in need. Um, John Logan Builders. Uh, him and his sister, Deborah Logan, uh, joined us last year, and they adopted one of our families and provided their Christmas for them. That's we awesome. have um, the Newman Catholic Center at UK, and as I said before, we have volunteers from there. We have the UK Honor Society that has worked with us this last year to provide tutoring, mm. Kentucky State University, um, has been a big supporter for two years getting started. Mm -hmm. We worked under a grant from them, the CIFAR grant. And um, so that not only gave us volunteers and help that way, but it gave us funding. And um, they still work with us. Their staff there at the university will come in and do classes for us. Uh, they will do classes on bullying, on uh, mental health, um, like I said before about the cooking class. Uh, we work with Black Soil. Uh, that's awesome. Just a lot of different, anybody in the community that we can find that's willing to help us out. We'll I work love with how them. long that question took you to answer. <laughs> I mean, but truly, I think that yes. it's a community affair. Yes. And it you need everyone from people making meals to donating bicycles. So I think that's incredible. So Rebecca, we've talked a lot about what CIS offers. Uh, I would love to, to gear this conversation a bit more towards towards the why. So you mentioned there was, there was some, some youth violence back in the early 2010s. Is that the appropriate way? 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. So you took action. You wanted to make a difference. That's why we're, that's why we're sitting down with you is because you did something and you didn't 
just say we should make a change and then you didn't take action. So can you talk about what happened to to any degree that you're comfortable with and, and why you implemented that? And I think that will be a nice unfolding of how and why we're here today with you. When I retired, I retired in, I believe it was 2013, 2012, 2013. Um, like I said, I went home to study on for a year. And during that year, my... Um, I had a 13-year-old granddaughter at the time. Her mother worked night shift. And during the, that summer, it was like, well, I'll find things for her to do so mom can get some sleep and she's not worried about entertaining her and where she is or what she's doing. And I couldn't find a program to enroll her in. Um, everything was low income if it was free. You had to be poverty level or there was a fee. My daughter and my granddaughter fell in the middle. My daughter worked. She supported them and she made enough money to do that. But she didn't make enough money to have extra to pay for her to be involved in a program. So I spent that summer um, just hanging out with my granddaughter. We'd go out. That was kind of how I learned about McConnell Springs. We went out there, and we'd go and drive around, and we did this thing we called Exploring Kentucky. So we'd find historical places and different things, and we'd just go spend the days and visit. And that summer uh, of 2014 was when there were a lot of young people becoming involved in violence. There were three young girls in the Hollow Creek area that were shot. One was killed. Mm. Um, That was kind of a trigger for me. At the time, they lived in that area. And my question was, when they were talking about these three young women, none of them lived at the house where they were shot. Mm. So my big question was, if there's no other kids there and they don't live there. Why were they there? What happened that they were at this house for this to happen? And none of the adults could answer my question, but my 13-year-old granddaughter did. And her response to me was, um, oh, well, that's where you go if you want to do things that you don't want your parents to know about. Mm-hmm. That scared me. It scared me that she was 13 and she knew what was going on there and us adults did not. Um, So there was a post on Facebook after a few more shootings. Uh, They were occurring almost weekly at the time. And um, someone had asked what we thought needed to be done. And everybody seemed to be pointing fingers. It was, well, the parents need to do this. Well, the schools need to do that. And -and so-and-so needs to do this. But nobody was coming up with any solutions. And I'd had the idea because of my granddaughter and wanting to find something for her to do about starting a program. But I didn't know where to go or what to do. And my response on Facebook was, I think it's time we got off Facebook And we went into the community and we did something about it. And the gentleman that ended up being my business partner responded because Mm -hmm. I had said, I have an idea. Anybody willing to help me? And he spoke up and he said, I will. 
Then that scared me because I didn't know him. <laughs> and I met him on Facebook. So uh, we set up a meeting out at the Northside Public Library. And uh, him, myself, and another young man, Mike Thomas was my business partner, myself and another young man named Laban Franklin all met up and we sat down and we had a conversation about what each of us thought needed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, Mine was always education and teaching the kids and teaching them something new and making sure that they stay in school and those type things. And Mike, who was an equine radiologist, wanted to get people interested in the horse industry. So his was bringing that piece in and Laban was uh, landscaping and gardening. So we thought, okay, that's three programs right there. Mm -hmm. If we partner up together and do this, then we can together help more kids than we can individually. And at the same time, they had met with a group of uh, citizens down at the main library. They were meeting down there and having the same type discussions. So we went back to that group and we told them what we were thinking and from there, CIS was born. And then in 2015, that summer, we did the first summer camp. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't in the parks yet. We didn't know. We had a little office over on North Broadway. And our camp was there in the office and in the parking lot, which was behind the building. Uh, on pretty days, we would take the kids and go to walk to Castlewood Park, mm -hmm. or they would walk downtown, they would do scavenger hunts, they would go to the library, just whatever we could. We had like 18 kids that first summer. And that was the summer that we started uh, meeting with uh, Councilman James Brown. And he was like, okay, I see what you're doing. What can I do to help? He's and he awesome. said, we need a place. Yeah. And he said, would you be willing to go to the parks? We're like, yep. So he got us into the parks to where we could start having camp in the parks. And that's kind of how we got started. The next year, we went from those 18 kids, I think, up to about 40. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, we had the between 50 and 60. And that's kind of where we've stayed since then. Hmm. I've had the privilege of meeting Councilman James Brown a few times, and he's he's truly a special man. I think um, so our team has been uh reading the seven habits of highly successful people something we've talked a lot about lately is what's in your circle of influence and i think what i'm being reminded of right now with your story is it's so easy to look at a really complicated situation and and get very overwhelmed because not all of it is within our circle you can't fix a whole problem in one fell swoop but you can say this is within my circle of influence. I can work with these 18 kids. Mm -hmm. I can work with my family and at this park and, and that's tangible and that, that moves the needle, right? Instead of getting angry on Facebook, I think we all just too easily get really frustrated. Um, and, and I think social media is also a really beautiful tool to express camaraderie and to brainstorm and to spread messages. Um, but I think I'm just very convicted by your response to that, which was, it's time to get my hands dirty <laughs> and, and get to while. work. It took me a while. Um, 
Like I said, I had the idea to do something, but I had no idea what to do or how to do it or where to even start. And I, I was one of those, somebody needs to do something. Hmm. And I saw uh, my sister got sick and I was at the hospital with her and the screensaver on the hospital computer said, uh, I used to always say, somebody needs to do something. And then I realized I am somebody. And that was the moment hmm. for me that it was, you know, that aha moment. It was like, well, I am somebody, you know, I'm talking about what to do. And I um, completely by accident, I found a class on how to start your own business that was offered by Community Ventures. Mm -hmm. And I went. And I signed up and I took the class and I learned all about developing your business plan and, and all these things and how to start a business. Um, and then, like I said, then I met Mike and Laban and, and, and the rest of the crew and we got started. You know, what I learned from that, I at least knew we worked with SCORE. We had the business plan. We worked with them when we were trying to get our 501c, ah. and we needed to get registered with the state and our um, articles. Yes. Yep. Uh, and all of that, we worked with SCORE to get that done and get those uh, filed in Frankfurt. Um, we got... Uh, our paperwork completed to do our 501c. And like I said, it's it's been a learning process. I've learned a lot the last six years. I think I still have a lot to learn. There's a lot I still don't know. Uh, I write grants. I seem to do fairly well with many grants. Uh, I'd like to learn those techniques to be able to get some bigger grants. Uh, but I figure it'll come with time. Yeah, well, if anyone's out there listening, and yeah, has, and has some great writing grant skills. Writer. No, truly, <laughs> we like helping to challenge people. Um, no, and I also love hearing you mention Community Ventures and SCORE. They're partners of ours. We actually, my colleague Mike and I did an interview with Sean Burns from Community Ventures recently. And I, you can, we know about the organizations. I think we all kind of get busy in our day-to-day -day of providing programming. But to hear how it empowered you to start something, I think, is is really cool. Um, I'm curious, what brought you guys here to Awesome Inc.? We, we may have talked about that before, but I don't, I think I'm blanking on that transition. We um, were, when we moved off Broadway, we moved to the plantry. That's right. That's right. On West 6th Street. And then when the plantry had to move, we lost our office space. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually found you all by accident. Because, <laughs> Happy accident. Yes. Very. I uh, I was looking for the awesome foundation to apply for a mini grant that somebody <laughs> had told me about. And when I Googled it, Awesome Inc. came up and I was like, oh. And then I looked because I was thinking it was the grant people. And then I saw what it was. And it was right at the time we needed a new office. That's so I was awesome. like, oh, OK, this is great. You know, it's perfect timing. So we I made an appointment and we came in, uh, myself and three of our board members came in that, and we looked at the space and we liked it. And right then and there it was like, OK, this is it. We move in here. I we do remember Maggie here. was like, oh, you're ready. You're ready now. OK, yeah. let's that's make it happen. Yeah, I think that's also one of the coolest things of, of hearing your story. There's so much perspective. 
And it's not this, not necessarily the story of, oh, I had to start up an idea and like, oh, I had to learn how to code and all this hardship from like a tech perspective, but you're so relationally wealthy, it sounds like, and you hmm. are making specific intentionality to invest in our community. And yeah. that's sometimes some, that's sometimes an area where we don't have enough celebration, but awareness. So I think one of the coolest sayings, even being in my 20s, I was watching all the kids you bring in and they're just running around, they're eating Oreos and they're having a blast and it just makes this place feel alive sometimes. And yes. Yeah, they yeah. love the Oreos. They <laughs> love the Oreos. <laughs> we, we love the Oreos too. Yeah. Maybe a little too much. Yeah. No, that, um, and I think the plantry is now at Base 110, if yes. I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our other, our other favorite co-working space in town. Um, well, selfishly from an awesome perspective uh, and maybe to kind of wrap this up, I think what I've loved most is watching you guys take advantage of so many parts of our space. You guys have used, I think, some of this room in the podcasting mm-hmm. room. You've used the conference space. Mm-hmm. What what was sort of some of your hopes out of a co-working space and how have you guys been able to use it, like he said, with those kids? Or how has it helped you guys with the program here? Back last September, I think it was, we started to meet with a small core group of kids. Five of the kids from the photography class, we started working with to develop a podcast, something else I knew nothing else about, (laughs) but uh, to develop a podcast to give the kids a voice. Hmm. And so we started meeting with these five kids. The conference room space gave us enough room to be able to spread out with them and, and to meet with them and to start getting everything organized and ready so that we could start to do the recording. We've used the recording studio because that group of kids um, created their own theme music. And we recorded it here in the recording studio. Um, The space right outside here in the open space in 350, we used at Christmas because we normally have a big Christmas party. We do a big dinner. We mm-hmm. give away gifts. Uh, we weren't able to do all of that this year, but we still wanted to be able to do the bicycles and do the gifts for the kids. So we took donations. We accepted donations. We went out and we purchased um, all the toys. The Hinkles provided the bicycles. They also provided us with some gift cards. Um, Father Norman and, and his parishioners, of course, came through with a lot of other toys. Um, and then we just needed to figure out how we were going to do it. And the space, when we removed the tables, it gave us a big open space. We could use the table around the edges and mm-hmm. set all the toys and everything up. And then we scheduled our families by appointment times to come through so we could limit the number of people in the space and we could social distance. Um, and then they came through and picked up. The, t- the kids got to shop and pick out the toys they wanted. Our parents, if they didn't want the kids to know, could come shop and pick out toys. And it was a great event. It was. It turned out great. So the space works well for us. It works great. It gives us event space. It gives us meeting space. And then, of course, we have our office, too. And the, rest, the studio is just a bonus. That's awesome. Uh, well, I think that's a great note to end on. How can people listen to the kids' podcast? 
We have a podcast page on our website, which is cisenoughisenough.org. Um, a couple of them are up on YouTube, and we usually put them out on uh, our Instagram and Facebook page, uh, which our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are all, I believe, at CIS Lexington. That's great. Well, if people are looking for ways to volunteer, it sounds like you guys have a lot of opportunities. Check out their podcast. And Garrett and I will make sure that on Tuesdays there are Oreos in that conference room. Oh, I that's, that's my action item I'm taking away. Garrett, anything yes, else? The kids will appreciate it. No, that's it. We're, we're here for them. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for sharing your story and really making an impact in our, in our city. We're, we're grateful. Well, thank you all for for having me. You are really welcome. appreciate it. We'll see you in the office. All right. Thank you. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesome Inks Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.